When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. City of Chronicles is a Bay of Chronicles production. Welcome to the Chronicles Q&A episode, where Nikki and I read through the best questions that we've received over the week and uh, try to provide the answers. Um, we've got some quite a few exciting ones. I'm going to say Nikki really laughed at one of them. She loved it so much, but I won't tell you which one. <laughs> um, let's start with the first one. And it's from Mustafa in New Zealand. New Zealand. Yay. Libby Capcaccia, huh? It seems to me that there are some very talented and exciting managers in the top echelon of Serie A at the moment, and in particular at the two Milan clubs. Good, I'm glad you said that. Why are there no real rumours of some of the other big European com- clubs coming in for the likes of Inzaghi or Pioli, given there are likely to be vacancies at the likes of Manchester United, Real Madrid and PSG in the near future? It's a really fascinating question. Hmm. I I think between those two managers that you've mentioned there, Inzaghi and Pioli, I can see a bigger market waiting for Pioli if he gets Milan across the line this season. I think you have to sort of um sort of take a sort of step back and, and think about where these these managers are. I mean, Inzaghi has has actually just made his his big step. So Inzaghi, I think, did uh without a doubt sort of raised the bar at Lazio. He's a manager who did a good job at Lazio, who took them sort of consistently to to the um, fringe of the Champions League, to being a team that competed for the Champions League, which is not the position that they were in when he arrived. He clearly got the most out of Ciro Immobile, helping him to to equal the, the Serie A goal-scoring record. He clearly put together a team that was very sort of clear in its identity and, and its brand and made the most of the talent that was put together there. And I mean, you know, Immobile is, is really like, the, it's worth dwelling on because remember where his career was coming back to Lazio from Dortmund. He wasn't someone who was on top of the world. He was someone whose whole sort of ability was being doubted. And you got a manager who who took him and elevated him and and, and made him into the, the striker we think of today. And now he's come to Inter, which is his big step up, is his chance to win a league title. And at the time of recording this, they're looking like they might blow it. They're in position to do it. They had, I think, one of the two strongest squads in the league, probably. And they had position. They were top of the table at the turn of the year and they had all that going for them. And their form in 2022 has tailed off really badly. And there are some questions about him that have come to the fore that we touched on in the main episode this week about his substitutions and about whether or not he's able to to build something sustainable. So I think internationally a lot of people are probably looking at Inzaghi and um and trying to work out if he's ready for that sort of job and you know it's it's really funny I think when this uh, comes up actually because you know I, I wrote a column about Simone Inzaghi a few weeks ago a column for an English audience and you'd be amazed 
listens to this podcast won't do it, but how many people listening to this podcast um, would be amazed by the amount of comments under that article going, oh, I remember when he scored for Milan against Liverpool in the Champions League. And you think, no, that's that's people. Oh, that's his God. brother. And the amount of people for whom sort of internationally, Simone Inzaghi. But that really brought home to me how much Simone Inzaghi internationally just isn't a brand. Like he isn't someone who's sort of got that fame, who's got that reputation. Like there's just people see Inzaghi and they, their brains go straight to his brother. Um, when clearly he's the better manager between the two of them, or at least the one who's done much more in his career. So in Zagia, I just don't think he's he's going to get that attention until he, you know, either wins this league title with Inter or does something else. I don't think he's got that that right, that positioning yet. Pioli is, is more interesting. Um, he's obviously taken a, a slow, sort of more um, circuitous route to getting here, but I think he's really, really but um, burnishing his reputation now because unlike Inzaghi, who's followed a, uh, a title-winning side, who's gone in to follow Conte, and so the expectation is, is right up there. It's like, you should be winning the league. Pioli is on the verge of, or at least has the position to, help Milan win the league title for the first time in more than a decade, to help them become top team in Italy again, and to be all his work. It's not someone else who came before him and did it. He did it, and he did it with young players. And I think that, attention, sorry, that achievement would would get the attention of, of big clubs in Europe. I think if he does it, if he gets Milan across the line, combined with um, perhaps some of what's seen in Europe, and I think you have to also be realistic and say that Milan's Champions League performance this season was a bit disappointing, and that may may hinder him to some degree. But I, I think if he wins the league, you'll start to see him getting linked to some of these jobs. And And by the way, I think that he's young enough he's not young but he's young enough that he's that he would consider that sort of move as well i think he it's it's on his mind that he's got scope in his career still to to, to do with how that journey not necessarily this summer though like it could be like a win the league then the next step is can you make me into more of a force in europe and then those jobs are waiting for you but i i think milan i think purely sorry really like don't rule him out of those vacancies for the summer yet, is what I'd say. I think if he wins the league, you might see his his star rise very quickly. Because again, we overestimate those of us who spend all of our time focused on Italian football, how um how much everyone else is watching this as much as we do. And I think that the reality is that across Europe, a lot of people react in quite a knee-jerk way to, oh, there's a t- trophy, there's something that you can hold up and prove that this person's done something with because they're not watching every week. And that validation would, would go a long way to establishing him in the minds of people for those jobs. Although, of course, personally, having enjoyed the work he's done the last few years, I hope he doesn't. I hope he stays in Serie A for a while younger and we get to keep watching him develop young players. You know what? You know what, guys? I mean, I I feel like... Sorry to be the virgin here. I, I, and I'm glad that Nikki answered this in a positive way, where if, you know, Milan win a trophy, <laughs> then there's a possibility of, there's no possibility. I don't feel like Pioli will ever be wanted by any of the top clubs. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't, really? No. I feel like we live in a very PR spin doctor society that has made football very difficult for me sometimes to handle. And I, and I feel like, we have some great coaches, really some great coaches. And when you see how players have developed under Leonardo Jardim against Galtier, Nice finished ninth last season. They're in second right now, you know, level on points. So third, whatever goal difference. 
what he's done with Lille to win over PSG. Does anyone think about Galtier when they're looking for, for a great coach to take over? This is a guy that has made basically the Turkish national team at this point, you know, with, with, with what he did for Lille last season. And he is just such a tremendously intelligent coach. You must have watched what Lille did against Milan um, for the Europa League at the, at the qualifying stages last year. They are such a tremendous team, despite the fact that he was working with so little. But how he raised them, how he developed them. When you look at Ruben Amorim, you know, he doesn't have a very good team, but just, just how he has managed to convert some players in their tactical roles, what he's doing right now for sporting. Yes, he's naive, conceded five goals to Manchester City, but there's also a billion difference between, you know, how much each club has spent. So that needs to be taken into account. Hardim, the Monaco that he raised, the Monaco that knocked Manchester City out of the Champions League, the brilliance that he did with Carrasco, who is such an important player for Atletico Madrid right now. He's the man who raised Kylian Mbappe, gave him his chances, Thomas Lamar. I mean, Benjamin Mendy. I mean, there were so many players he put on the map, you know, and nobody thinks about him. Who do we think about? We think about Nagelsmann, who I want to kill myself sometimes when I watch Bayern Munich. You know, this is the team... That, yeah, they thrash Salzburg fine. They're defensively hideous to watch, you know? There's always an argument right now at Bayern, and that's probably not his fault, but rather the sporting director's fault. But it's it's bad to watch. There's no balance right now. And if you, you can't have Alfonso Davies missing and the whole team just fall apart defensively, it is... It's bad management. I, I don't see it, but everyone's like, oh, you know, he kind of plays the Pep Guardiola way. And so that right now, it, you know, people are just obsessed with, you have to play a nice way. If you lose 10-0, it doesn't matter. You play a nice way, you know? And and I feel like sometimes we're not looking at, at the things that matter, the man management, the ability to develop players, the ability to win despite the fact that you have little. It gives me hope that people recognize that Gasparin is a great coach. It gives me hope. And the only reason that he's managed to put himself on the map is because he took PSG so far. It's because he defeated Liverpool. It's because of what he did in the Champions League that Galtier is not doing so much now because he is with the likes of Nice. But Hadim did it in the Champions League and no one cared. In fact, you know what they did? Monaco sacked him and brought in Thierry Henry because he brings in the press. Because everyone wants to see Henry talk, even though he was rubbish tactically, he was very good or as an assistant manager, felt Belgium. But for Monaco, he wasn't a very good coach. I'm sorry. But you know what happened? People showed up to the press conference because he was fun. He's Thierry Henry. He was a great footballer. So everything's about your image. When you wonder why Antonio Conte is the name that he is, despite being, I'm sorry, a total failure in the Champions League, yeah, it's because he is a brand. He's a great coach. And so adds to that on a league level, you know what you're getting with Conte. He will dramatize everything, you know, but he'll win the trophy, but he'll make life really hell for you if you are a director at a club. But he will always have a job ready and waiting for him because he's a brand. People click to see what he's going to do. Like Jose Mourinho. I mean, Jose Mourinho also collected a bunch of trophies, so I'm not going to take any of that away from him. He was marvelous, you know. But being a brand matters. Nagelsmann is a brand. So people want to have that on them, you know, want to see that. At the end of the day, Lopetegui is a great coach. But Real Madrid is like, yeah, we can get rid of you because, yeah, you're good and stuff, but you're not good enough to warrant you staying around. And it's interesting because I had a conversation with a Spanish sporting director recently who's very, very interested in Osman. And he's very much like, yeah, I mean, we are, but we're not. I mean, he's a tremendous player. I'm like, if he's a tremendous player, then why don't you just go like and, and really bid for him or commit to him or whatever it is? 
And the feeling is, is that he has to grow his PR image because right now, you know, even if, and get this, even if he's the same level as Haaland, they will choose Haaland because everyone knows his name. So if I'm an up and coming coach, what I'm going to try to do is make a splash in the Champions League and then do something ridiculous like, I don't know, take my wig off and, and, and you know, or whatever it is, like, or, or put a chair up like Alaba because these are the things that people remember. It's all about PR. And, and Stefano Pioli is a very, very good coach, but I wonder how far he's going to go because people will just be like, yeah, I know, but like Milan is a well-run club and blah, blah, blah. And he won't get the credit that he deserves. You know, Spalletti, I don't think has ever gotten the credit that he deserves. And this is the guy who, who really showed us the false number nine and the beauty of that, who made one of the most exciting rumors to watch at the time, who Marcello Lippi said inspired him to the 2006 World Cup in tactically how he used uh, different players. I mean, who inspired Pep Guardiola and and yet Spalletti is just, you know, ridiculed most of the time, you know? And so I, I don't, I do think this is what upsets me a lot about football and a lot of, about coaches because coaches is my thing. I care much more about coaches than I care about players. And I don't feel like the right coaches are getting the right attention right now. And everyone's obsessed with who is just going to pass the ball sideways for long enough. And that's what upsets me. I, I hear you and I agree with you about the value oh, of PR. You. And I think you've put that so brilliantly. And I, I, I always enjoy Amina Rand, but <laughs> I also want to come back at you with something. Okay. Which is, um, first of all, I mean, Gautier, Jardim, yeah, but it's, it's not said he has League One. I'm sorry, but that's part of the PR picture as well. Like League One is, is still okay. what you does said he has. But, also, also, let me just finish this one because I think this is the, okay. the big counter I have to you. Maurizio Sarri got the Chelsea job. Maurizio Sarri has never been the face of his. Now, admittedly, he didn't last. He only lasted there a short time. He came back and he's sort of taken steps back. But he got the Chelsea job and he never even won the league. Mm. He did take Napoli very close. And maybe maybe Napoli's more glamorous in some way to have like, had that scene in Naples, right? Have all the fireworks going off. It was a big international story, even though they didn't win. But Sarri did get the Chelsea job. So if Sarri can get the Chelsea job, I don't see why Pioli couldn't get a comparable job. Because it's playing the same, it's, it's that football. Everyone's obsessed with the next Pep Guardiola. It doesn't matter that Jurgen Klopp is winning or, or will win. No one is looking for the next Klopp. Everyone's looking for the next Pep. So Maurizio Sarri got a lot of attention because of the style of football that they were playing, because the fluidity, the, the, the horizontal that converts quickly to a vertical. You know, it, it is... That's what they're obsessed with, which is why Nagelsmann has so much unless I, I, I'm, I, that probably annoys me more than all the others. But Hadim, you're right, he is in the gap. But look what he did at the Champions League. You know, he reached the semi-finals. He knocked Manchester City out. He very nearly knocked Juventus out in 2015. I mean, he raised half of the players that are now currently in the Premier League and winning. And I just or or, or you know Mbappe or Carrasco or. I, I feel like it just upsets me that even his own club thought you're not interesting enough, you know? And I just, yes, I don't, yes, you, you're right about Galtier. I mean, there's Alu Cisse again, Senegal, coach, brilliant. I mean, just what he's done overall, changing like the ethics. and But everyone cares about Bielsa, who just causes a big fuss everywhere, you know? But because he plays nice football, it doesn't matter that the football keeps losing. He plays nice football. And I feel like nowadays we're more obsessed with aesthetics. You know, the Zenic Zemin, everyone loves Zemin, right? You know, that kind of football 
it doesn't matter if you don't win. You know, let's all try to be Tele Santana and lose rather than go and, and be the guy that may be a little bit boring, but wins. At least Allegri gets attention. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because Allegri, of anyone, you know, couldn't he have got a Manchester United job? Yeah. At the times it's been up in the last few years, couldn't he have got, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised that, it did, that nothing did come for Allegri outside of Italy, I have to say. But Wait, Madrid, you asked about Allegri and I think we've given that. Yeah, he, he turned yeah. it down twice. But we, we've given that we've given that question a good go, and yes, I don't want this yes. whole episode to be one one single question. So let's let's move on. Thank you, then, Mustafa. That was a really interesting question, and we certainly yeah. got into it. So I hope you enjoyed that answer. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? What interferes with your happiness? Check out our new sponsor, betterhelp.com forward slash Seria A. This is our first uh, specific sponsor for the Seria Chronicles podcast. And I have to say, I'm, I'm really happy that it is because counseling is something that I, I really believe in. Like I have had counseling at different times myself. Um, I admit that I didn't come to it until my, until my thirties, but, um, for different things at different times, I found it to be a, a really beneficial thing just having someone outside your bubble to talk to and, and, and share those experiences with. And I think that probably now more than ever, actually, um, with everything that's gone on in the pandemic, there's probably quite a lot of people uh, who've been quite stuck in their own bubble. And so um, I don't know how you feel about this, Mina. I think counselling can be a, a really good thing to do. Yes, I think it's, it's a place where you feel you're free of judgment. Uh, you can talk to somebody who can speak Really, it's almost just like having a friend. I mean, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you'll, you'll connect in a, in a safe and what you will hopefully feel as a private online environment. It's convenient and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Um, this isn't, you know, just a, a sort of a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And if you are having any troubles, and and frankly speaking, it's like you said, I mean, it's nowadays it is a tougher environment that we're all living in. We have so much more expected of us. We are being squeezed all the time. And, and some of us would just appreciate a safe haven to talk to somebody outside of that world. Yeah, I think for me, like it was a really big thing was just realizing like sometimes you have thoughts in your head that for whatever reason, you're not willing to say to people who actually know you. And when you have counseling, you can say things to those people feeling free of the consequence of what you've been scared of saying things to people for is, is often like, um, or scared can be any, any reason you just don't want to talk about something. Absolutely. They have licensed professional counselors on betterhelp.com. Uh, they specialize in, in all sorts of areas, depression, stress, anxiety, grief, um, LGBT matters, uh, sleeping, trauma. Um, anything you share is going to be completely com- confidential. Again, these are licensed counsellors, completely professional and affordable. So I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash seria. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash seria. We have our second question here is from Jonathan Borders, who is a Tifosi Patreon member. Thank you, Jonathan, for um, being one of the Tifosi. 
can you all spend some time and explain Roma's lack of off the ball talent? He asks. Uh, I feel we are one of the worst clubs off the ball in Syria. I have yawned at Roma this year more than ever, and I love this next bit. Is it Jose or is it life? That's just that's just a profound question, Jonathan. I, I, I don't know how to answer the bit about your life specifically, but but we'll get to it. Um, and Fonseca things weren't so boring, but I have got the hope in the special one. The red card was worth nine points in my book. Also, I love Eldor Shamorodov. He was so brilliant with Genoa last season. He's been and he has been with Roma this year to the observant fan. Just a lack of playing time, but his positioning is next level. Mina, is it Jose or is it life? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've made this point so much that you must be absolutely and deathly annoyed at me for saying this. But <laughs> I do think that for a team that has spent all the money that they did spend over the summer, that does have Shmuradov, who I agree with you, I think is such a fantastic talent, but just not really being given the momentum and the number of minutes and the consistency allowed to really to allow him to grow because I, I so agree with you. And there's nothing that he can't do. He can be a facilitator. He can be the goal scorer. I, I love a type of striker that doesn't know only how to do one thing, but can know how to do a bunch of things. And I understand why Tammy Abraham is the man and he should be the man right now because he's scored, what, 20 goals so far. He's the top scoring Englishman. Rely on him. But I just... And I think that has helped a lot to have Zaniolo closer to him because I think that's brought out the best in Tammy Abraham, who isn't a guy that likes to play on his own. And I think that that was really put to bed. But Shmurodov should really be starting a lot of matches and, and or at least given a few minutes because he can introduce something so different. We talked about on the main show that he is exciting and all of that. But I, I, I do feel that with Jose Mourinho, I mean, even as a team, they take so many shots on goal, you know, that they do produce a lot of opportunities, but they're just not that exciting to watch because I don't know whether it's off the ball. Is that what you think it is? Is that they don't have enough balls? Um, sorry, off the ball, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> um, look, I'll sum it up. There's something that I thought Gazetta said so perfectly. <laughs> I mean, they do have balls. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I actually love that because Mina, honestly, like Jose Mourinho and the way like he talks when things like are and aren't working. He's not, it's always all about that sort of language. It's always like, oh, you need to show some cojones. I mean, I, I don't know if he'd use cojones or he'd use scatole, who's talking Italian, but you know, I'm, he's all about that. He's all about that language. So yeah, don't, but I mean, don't back down, Mina. That's that's what Gazetta wrote. It just said there's no game, but just a whole lot of effort. And that's what Roma is right now. It's a whole lot of effort that covers up for the fact that there isn't a strategy, an attacking strategy that I know what's going to happen, or I can see a sort of identity. It's you know, it's compact and try to be vertical. It's last minute goals. It's being rescued by the brilliance that does exist in the team. But I don't, I, I think that, you know, there are certain players that are certainly growing um, within the side and showing the best of themselves. But you're right. I don't, I saw there was a lot more of an identity with Fonseca. I could see a clear strategy of what he was trying to build. It was an exciting team. There was a lot of adjustments on a tactical level when they faced an opponent that closed or were open on one side, or there was a deficiency somewhere. I thought Fonseca was very good with the substitutions or how he at least tried to tweak the game to either pad out the midfield or 
And I just don't see that from Jose Mourinho. I feel like it's a lot of Hail Marys. It's a lot of let's put on a lot of attackers and see what happens right now. And that's why it's a little bit dull. And even in terms of, you know, they talk about a lot of effort, like Gazeta said, but at the same time, in terms of kilometers run and and how much of the ground that they're covering, only two teams are worse than Roma who have run less, and that's Udinese and Bologna. So Roma actually don't even cover that much ground. It's just a, a side that I, I'm not yet sure what to think of them, but if I have a whole schedule of football to watch on a Sunday, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I watched a lot of Roma last season, but I'm not that much interested in watching them as much this year round. What about you, Nikki? I've been trying to sort of work out what I think exactly Jonathan means with that um, off the ball, um, because I think you can interpret that in different ways. Like mm. One of them is sort of the, the the thing which you've just sort of answered, I think, to, to an extent, which is, do they work harder than everyone else? Because that's like what comes to my mind is like off the ball movement is like, who's putting the effort in? Who's keeping on running? Who's constantly giving their teammates um, an option? Because I think that's so important in, in, in football teams. I think it's one of the things that, that can really kill a team is when, you know, you're getting someone on the ball and you look around and no one's moving. And um, talking in, in sort of strictly numeric terms, you've sort of just poured water to an extent on the idea that they're a great sort of that kind of off the ball team. Cause you're, you're saying they don't have the same distance covered as some other teams. And that's just, but of course, like not everything can be measured in, in that way. Right. Cause mm. you can conserve and just move at the right times rather than being in constant motion and still be a very effective off the ball um, uh, teammate, I suppose, to your, your teammates in possession. I wasn't sure if that was what was meant, was sort of, you know, we have a team that, that that works hard, which I think certainly would be what Mourinho would want his team to be as a team that you identify as working hard, as putting those hard yards in, the one that sort of does that. Or if he meant more that he thinks there's a lot of intelligent players in this team who are really sort of smart in the way they move and in the way that they position themselves. And I think that there is certainly a, a category of players in, in this team who I, I would agree with that for. I think Tammy Abraham has shown himself to be a, a smart off the ball player. I think yeah. he's been a really sort of a, a fascinatingly effective centre forward for, for, for Roma this season. I think he's one of the, the, the great sort of stories of this season. I think his goal scoring feats, particularly over the last period, have been really consistently good and, and it's wonderful to see someone like that come to a, a different league and, and establish themselves and and go from being someone who couldn't get that regular opportunity at Chelsea to being someone who I think now lots of people at Chelsea would like to sign back and and send the car going the other way, frankly, at this point. And perhaps misguidedly, by the way, because it doesn't necessarily work like that. It doesn't matter that just you score one team, you, you don't automatically go and score goals for another team. But I think he's an example of someone who does move very smartly off the ball. Um, uh, I know Jonathan sort of mentioned Shamaradov as someone who he admired in that way. You know, some of the other players who I, I really admire in this team, like Lorenzo Pellegrini, I'm not saying his movement is bad, but I think of him very much as an on-the-ball player. Actually. Mm. I think of him as very much as someone who contributes the most to his team when he's he's carrying it, when he's moving. And perhaps Mkhitaryan's another sort of on-the-ball player who, oh, who really? definitely contributes in that way and, and not necessarily in a sort of purely, you know, running hard all the time kind of way. But yeah, I almost wanted to drill down on that off the ball sort of logic with Jonathan and, and know a bit better exactly what he means by it. But there's lots to like in this Roma team overall. I just, I just don't see them as as at the level they want to be, which is a Champions League team. And I don't think that the answer to that was ever, even with even giving Jose Mourinho full credit, which I'm not certain he deserves. 
I don't think the answer to that was ever the manager. I think that the squad is is just not at the level of those teams in the top four. For me, Mkhitaryan's a non the ball player, so that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's here's the one thing, but it, it's interesting that you don't see it as that. So that makes me think: wait, is he then on the ball or off the ball? So, but he's not a hard running. He's not a hard running player. And no, but you're about tactical drawing the distinction. Mm, yeah, it's just because I see him as being so clever on the ball that I think of him as as a guy who can maintain possession, and that's how I define on the ball. You know. Mm, um, okay. Yeah. I think for me, I've always seen off the ball as players who, like you said, you know, they're they're intelligent runners off the ball and they know where to position themselves to ensure the fluidity of the whole game. When you have a team of players who are off the ball, you have to have a manager who's very good at creating perfect strategies and a real clear tactical identity. And obviously it, it helps a lot when you have players who are of a certain level of intelligence. I think why Juventus so works uh, worked so well with so many off the ball players at one stage is because when you have players like Hazira and Marquisio who are tactically intelligent and will move into spaces without needing to tell them what to do, it allows for a better strategy and that way you don't have to have too many. Um, but then at the same time, I don't know whether Mourinho is, is very good at that because sometimes I look at Manchester United and I think they manage such great victories. I mean, too well to at least come second, despite the fact that what we've seen of them since then. But then I never saw a clear strategy on the pitch. I never saw a clear identity. I didn't see that at Tottenham and I'm not seeing that at Roma. So I feel like it's very hard to then be very intelligent off the ball. But here's my issue with it is I sometimes don't want to blame Mourinho because I blame management. You can't go from a coach like Fonseca. I mean, if I go from Fonseca, I think of De Zerbi afterwards or I think of somebody that can continue that thread or maybe just, or Dionisi who can who can play that type of football, but then also make it vertical and, and a little bit combining of the two, like a Luis Enrique. I definitely don't think it's it's very ideal to go from somebody who plays that style of football like Fonseca did, that relies a lot on youth, that relies a lot on possession, um, which also at times could be counter-attacking, but then go into Jose Mourinho because you just felt there was a mentality issue. I think it was, there's no clear continuation of a plan. There was a clear continuation, Conte to Inzaghi. I just don't know uh, Inter, but with Roma, I have an issue with the way that they are progressing this project that they keep talking of, because I, I don't see a strategy, even with the way that they buy players, I don't see the strategy. And so I don't know whether I can entirely blame just the coach or whether there's management that's not providing the right support and has the right idea of how to progress this team on a project level. Yeah, I think that the appointment smacked of a lack of long-term planning, didn't it? Exactly. Uh, just to say as well, because I didn't say it before, Shimorodov is another player who I, I, do, I do really like Shimorodov. And I think he's a, he's an off-the-ball player. I, I agree with Jonathan on that. I think he's a player whose movement is, is really sort of subtle at times and nice. And I, I hope he gets more opportunities I think he's he's one that I enjoy watching play football okay we have time to squeeze the last one but we are going to try to keep it tight um and it is thank you to Michael Burtz who is a Chronicles Diversity Patreon member we didn't want to ignore this question because we loved it when it came in it's not exactly about current Serie A but what do you make of Lukaku is he that is he that dependent on playing in a system that maximizes his strengths at Inter last season, he started affecting big games rather than disappearing as he did at United and Everton. What happened to him this year? What happened, Nikki? Yeah, I mean, there probably is like a really long answer to give on this one. But like the short answer, I think, is is yes. I think like lots of strikers, he clearly 
produces better in, in different systems. I think it's one of the things that is, is just hugely underestimated in football in general is how much context makes a difference to a player. I think there are all sorts of players who thrive or fail based on whether they're in the right team at the right time. I think there are all sorts of footballers whose careers we never saw because they never found the way to a coach who knew how to make the most out of them. I think um, I mentioned already earlier um, Chilo Immobile and how differently his career was going before he found um, Simone Inzaghi Lazio and how that just saved him, basically. Uh, I, I've been listening to people recently talking about how sort of static Lukaku is and how he doesn't move. And I just thought to myself, but he did move at Inter. Like at Inter, he he really actually did, had that sort of habit of of rolling out to the flanks quite a lot, of sort of doing that sort of slightly sort of, you know, if you want to be mean about it, you'd say it's a sort of the, the QE2 type term, but this is the big wide turning out to the flanks and then just marauding past defenders when he got there. And and I, I think it was really effective for Inter. And I think that um, absolutely Antonio Conte was a manager who understood him, who always clearly knew in his own mind that he had a plan for Lukaku because he wanted him for so long, wanted him at Juventus, wanted him everywhere and, and had this idea of how to use him and, and it worked. And I think that at Chelsea, it's a different system and it, it hasn't worked for him as well. So the, the, that's the very short answer. I mean, the longer answer involves like a bit more digging down to those tactics and exactly why, but um, I'm sort of conscious that we haven't got unlimited time I think that's a big part of having a manager who really understood that to get the most out of Lukaku is let him have that space to turn, give him the encouragement to turn and get running at defenders and, you know, set your system up to make the most of, of the, the qualities he has, which is that incredible physical strength and an ability to sort of really bull those defenders as we saw him do a lot in Serie A at the same time as being, I think, an underestimated finisher. I think he gets a bit too much stick for the odd clumsy touch. I think some of his touches we saw in his goals for Inter last season were also still pretty flipping good. Is it that, I guess, what made him so special is, sorry, just because I am somebody who is a bit of a tactical geek, that they were quite of a low team. You know, they defended as a low block into and then he had space where he could show off his acceleration mm. and then had time to then obviously perfect his finishing. Whereas Chelsea play much higher up the pitch and it needs to be, he needs to be better in the, and I guess the tighter spaces. And it is a lot more about managing the ball, which is everyone was saying, oh, they must really regret letting go of Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham, I think, has also some of those characteristics where he'd be better with the Conte team, I think, than perhaps this also, this Chelsea team. Is that what it is? Just wanted to check if it's the same as mine then, what I'm thinking. I think that's really well observed. Yeah. Okay. I think that's really well observed. Here's the thing, right? If Lukaku was great at Chelsea as well as he was at Inter, then he is one of those very, very special ones, you know? And I think that people, there are good strikers and there are the very best. And sometimes we want everyone to be Cristiano Ronaldo and we want everyone to be these wonderful guys, but it's very hard to move from different tactics and different teams and still produce at a very high level. And if you do manage that, then you're obviously, you know, one of the very best. And that's why even, for example, Messi, who was booed over the weekend and stuff, you know, there there is going to be a difference to adapting to the tactics at hand and the team around you, which is why perhaps performances for PSG are not as great as performances, um, sorry, at PSG are not as great as what they were at Barcelona. Um, and it is, you know, a form of tactics, it's confidence, it's how happy you are, it's whether or not you've suffered from COVID and have had problems or if injuries has been a problem or your family is happy. Di Maria was man of the match in the final and the last game he played for Real Madrid and he moved to Manchester United and he just hated everything there and just didn't even perform. 
Coutinho was somebody that Inter just thought, yeah, this isn't going to work out. Ciao. And then he became like a phenomenon at Liverpool. And then all the things that we thought, oh, but he is like, you know, perhaps a little bit physically weak or perhaps this or perhaps that. We saw all of those weaknesses as well in Barcelona. So it is about the club. It is about all these things combined. And I agree with that. But for me, I guess my major issue with Lukaku has been is that he talks a lot and I, and I think he, he would be a lot better because then he sets himself standards and then he sets himself and opens himself to different, I guess, to a lot of criticism. Sometimes that's unwarranted and, and, and not really needed to help with his confidence because he is a confidence player. He is a guy who needs his mother and his daughter and, and he wants to be loved. And if you are that kind of guy, then I think you're better off just not speaking that much and allowing people just to decide on their own. And and I think that for him, one of the reasons he succeeded so much in Inter is because he had a coach that loved him in a city that loved him. And right now, he has to do all that again at Chelsea. And it's not helping when the tactics don't suit him. But I think also coming out and saying, I can't believe I wasn't rated in the top five greatest players. There's just no need to say that. It's like Igor Tudor saying what he did about the Osman. There's just no need to talk about that. You aren't you know, it takes many, many years to be considered the best. People don't call you the best straight away. I mean, people were still doubting what Karim Benzema could do. And yet he's shown himself to be the man with Ronaldo and the man without Ronaldo. But it's taken a decade before people have started to really appreciate the value of Benzema, the, his ability and technicality on the ball, his extreme intelligence. I have never seen, honestly, in a number nine who is as intelligent as Benzema. And I feel like Lukaku saying the things of, oh, is this a great moment? Oh, it's, you know, I am one of the top five. It takes so much to be the top five. And in order for you to be one of the best strikers in the world, you have to prove yourself in any tactic, with any coach, in any formation, in any style of play and in any club. It took, you know, Ronaldo was a guy that never managed to score in the big games when he was at United. And you, you know, Manchester, uh, sorry, after he moved to Real Madrid, they were being knocked out by Lyon in the in the last 16, two years in a row, I believe. So it took a while before he learned to also be the very best. And and But, you know, you just keep your mouth quiet and you just go forward. And that annoys me a little bit of Lukaku that he doesn't do that. And I think that people were so quick to jump onto it. He had a good manager that brought out the best of him. He's a very good number nine. Is he the very best? I think we're expecting too much because based on what we've seen so far. And he is still only 28. I mean, actually, he should be at his peak right now. But <laughs> sorry, I was about to say, is he still, he's in my head, he's still 25. Yeah, but actually he's 28. I, I, I've never seen enough on the ball that has ever made me think to myself, he's a legend. So, and I think that he's talked so much that people expect that from him. And so for me, frankly, He's dug his own grave. And to be the very best, if you are trying to compete with these guys, you need to show me that you can do that in every match, in all the big matches. And again, at Inter, you didn't play in the Champions League at the very highest level. You didn't reach the knockout stages, so I don't know how to judge. I think the other thing that that I would just add on to that, you know, we focus on the tactical side of things. I think there is something for Lukaku. I, I think he's he feels like one of those players who produces his best when he feels loved. Yeah. And I think there is something psychological with him as well. And I think Mm. that was the other thing that he's lost moving from Inter to Chelsea is that it was like, instead of um, sort of feeling like he did certainly by the end of that time at Inter when when he's literally sort of, and not even to the end, I mean, as soon as he arrived at Inter, he had, you know, even some of the less savory elements of the ultra base sort of making such a big deal of him and flattering him. And I think that, you know, the the murals that got (laughs) devoted to him in Milan, 
like he was an icon and I think he really loved it. And I think it was, it was, you know, it was a way to get the best out of him. And, and I think that some players respond to different situations differently, but I think that that was a good situation for him. And, and, and that's something that he's lost as well as any tactical stuff. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to add to that, Mina, or? No, I just want to say that he is a good number nine, but I just sometimes, you know, let's not expect the world from them, you know? I, I mean, obviously I do expect more from him at Chelsea considering his price tag, but you never know. Maybe Tuchel will go, a new coach will come in and they'll play to exactly his strengths or he'll move to Spurs and show us what we've been missing. But, and look, you know, like it's it's never an exact science and don't forget in all this conversation, I think it's almost like a thing that's sort of, funny how one one player impacts the next one and this is not the Premier League podcast but I think it's interesting how everyone um, up till this season was talking about how Chelsea overpaid for Kai Havertz and how he had yeah. up the amount of money that was spent on him so you know like it's 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 tough to go to a, a top club and 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 succeed that's just a an obvious truth but um we are out of time for today and we hope you enjoyed this uh, Chronicles Q&A please do check out our website at celiacchronicles.com and click the Chronicles Tifosi button if you'd like to join our Patreon community where you can have access to exclusive episodes and bonus content. We've got one coming up this week, a special episode, deep dive on Empoli. There'll be some content around events in the Champions League in midweek as well and no doubt anything else that comes into our heads. Um, but yes, go do that if you would like to become part of that community and support the show. You can also um, offer a one-time tip if you would like to. Uh, on the website, there's a button there to our Ko-fi page. Get your questions in on Twitter at Pod for our Q&A episodes with the hashtag ChroniclesQ&A or send us a voice message via the website and we'll put your voice in the show. Only one person's done this so far and I really enjoyed it, but I understand if you were doing to put their voice on as well. So we don't mind you can send them by email or by voice, but we did enjoy the voice message. Find us on Twitter at Mina Rizuki, at Nikki Bandini and subscribe to the Celia Chronicles YouTube channel for clips of the show as well. That's all we've got for you today. We will see you again next week. Bye for now. I love Jonathan's phrasing. <laughs> I have yawned at Roma this year more than ever. Is it Jose or is it life? <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.